which other members are with us? Honorable uh, Stain and um, which other members are with us? Honorable uh, Stain honorable, and um, any other honorable members that have been able to link in? Which other members are with us? Chairperson, Honourable Stein, um, I can't see the participants, uh, maybe also because the Secretariat is not locked in. Um, yeah. I, I do have the list of participants, uh, there's uh, 20 of us currently that have okay. uh, the link. But uh, in terms of uh, the honourable members, it's just us uh, that I've uh, pronounced on. The rest still haven't been able to log on. Um, I'm also trying to confirm if uh, the recording has started because once uh, they've been able to start recording the proceedings, then we can begin. Uh, we do not want any submission that is going to be uh, done and not be uh, heard, uh, not be recorded. So uh, that's why we are still awaiting their confirmation. Anyamza. Eh? Kujan. Morning, Manyamza, please confirm if you have joined us. Manyamza. Manyamza, Mamkakaza. Now, 
the challenge of these gadgets is my Amza calls me on my phone and says she's online, but we can't get access to her. So I want to confirm all of us are online that have been able to link on and there's only 20 members. Manya Amza and Mamkakaza, the secretariat, have still not logged on. Mamkakaza is now phoning me. Pardon me for a second, please. Let me apologize to everyone that is linked on on this platform. We seem to have uh, been given a wrong address. We have been asked to check our emails for the latest link that we are supposed to use. Please uh, get off on this particular platform and check your emails for the latest one because it seems that the other members are on the other platform and are waiting for us on there. So I will request that we all exit on this one and re-link uh, on another one. Thank you and sorry for the technical glitch. Anyamza. Mamuka Gaz. Anyamza. Amuka Gaza. Manyamza.
Good morning. 
morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 Are we still in the right room? I believe so. Okay, thank you.
morning, everyone. Um, the PC on agriculture, the new, the link, the correct link is in the chat. If you're looking for the PC on agriculture, apparently this link was the incorrect one. The new one is in the meeting chat.
he asked the apartheid government, he would have asked, are we getting a fair deal? Are South Africans getting a fair deal? Are Africans getting a fair deal? And that is the question that we should be asking to to the committee, to to parliament. Hi, um, the good, bill must morning, be asking everyone. that question to the legislature like because as we craft this bill, what are we saying about the deal that we are giving to our people in terms of land tenure? The model that we, we would like to see the bill assist in terms of achieving is to take previously disadvantaged people out of marginalization. Communities must be afforded equitable use of land. The past pattern of land tenure was favorable to whites who already were at an advantage. Now, these title deeds, whether it comes in a form of a, of a certified certification, permission to certification of occupancy, permission to own land or something, whatever in, in whatever form the title deed comes, it must be cognizant of communities of interest, in particular those in needy areas and impoverished sections of society, with women, youth, and people that, that are living with disabilities being uh, prioritized. Ratnet therefore believes that land tenure should not be made possible at the expense of communities who suffered displacement, land displacement and loss and humiliation through history. As an organization, we, like I said, we are working with the grassroots. We've got quite a substantial amount of work that we are doing on a continuous basis since we started. And largely we have a number of people who come through our doors requesting assistance in terms of securing land, requesting assistance in terms of funding, educational uh, development and training. We currently have a number of students that, uh, in fact, myself, let me start with myself. Myself, I'm a product of RATNET. Was it not for RATNET, I, would, I wouldn't have been able to complete my my honors uh, degree, and I'm now on the verge of completing my master's program with the assistance of RADNET. I'm currently being funded by NRF, and RADNET has taken through a number of, of students into, you know, into higher education institutions. We've got students that have graduated from different universities in the country, most of them specialists in the agricultural sector. Some of them are currently doing postgraduate studies, you know, in, in, in different fields, doing masters in, in PhD, in I can list agriculture and animal husbandry, crop production, entomology, viticulture and oenology, agricultural management, environmental management, quite a number in different provinces. Radnet also has hundreds of links with various non-institutionalized and landless farmers, some of whom are urban-based and to put it politely, I'm not sure most of our our leaders where they you know where they spend their time growing up, because if you go to your home, whether your home is in the Eastern Cape, in the rural Eastern Cape, or in the townships, Bomatagi and, and places in uh, KZN, Guamashu, Kailicha in Cape Town, wherever, you will find a number of, of um, goats grazing around the rubbish dumps. Excuse me, Chen? 
Can we conclude? Two minutes remaining. Okay. Uh, as a as a way to to round up our our presentation, I think it's important that what we are what we are, what we stand for as Ratnet is a bill that, and we believe we've got that capacity to assist the the legislation in terms of creating a facility that will monitor and evaluate uh, land tenor programs. Currently, there is neither a model or a mechanism in South Africa to monitor and evaluate the impact of land tenor. By utilizing appropriate systems, Radnet believes that it is possible to measure the impact of use of such land. We have the capacity to develop real-time systematic processes to collect and analyze data. A number of, of you know, computer programs, program progress, uh, statistics and data, and other software to reach objectives and guide decisions. I think, if I remember correctly, yesterday, Chair, you asked something about data that relates to the one household, one hectare program. It's it's um, ability that we can we can deliver as Ratnet because that is the field we are we are involved in. We've got tools that we've listed, municipal links that we've created. We use part of our programs. We are engaged with the IDPs at municipal level, and we facilitate and host learnerships and workplace skills, workplace plans, and community needs assessment. So we feel that. Through these activities, we are assisting in terms of, you know, the outcomes that are more important for the country, which is food security, creating jobs. Thank you so much, Chair. Thank you indeed. Unfortunately, I've run out of time um, and we need to move on to the other presenters. But I would like uh, to please share the data, particularly that has to do with one household, one hectare as uh, we would like to bring that to the attention of the minister and the department. As a committee, we were certainly uh, not happy to see that the department has only spent 1% of its budget for that particular program. So we would like to make sure that those funds and uh, those uh, uh, monies find themselves to help helping our people in rural communities and particularly women in rural communities. So we'll be happy to receive that information so that we can share it with the department. Thank no you problem. for your presentation. And uh, the honorable members will have a chance to ask questions of clarity as we uh, uh, get to that. Uh, honorable members, I will now take the opportunity to invite uh, Dr. Uh, King Will from Lenness. And we have uh, Dr. Rosalie Kingwell from Lenness. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, can you hear me? <clears throat> yes, uh, we can hear you clearly. Um, thank you. Um, um, good morning to all the participants and to the honorable members. Um, my submission. Um, is I will first let me introduce myself. Um, I'm Dr. Rosalie Kingwell. Um, I'm a research associate at the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies um, at the University of the Western Cape. Um, and I'm also an independent member of Land Ness. Um, 
So for this presentation, I represent Land Ness, Plas, and Parry. Land Ness is a land network national engagement strategy, and it comprises 27 civil society members, many of whom have already given um, some of their own uh, submissions during this, this, these, these hearings. Um, so there are 23 NGOs and four independent um, members. PLAS is a research policy and teaching institution concerned with land and agrarian issues, particularly the challenges of restructuring land holding and agro-food systems in the context of chronic poverty and structural inequality in South Africa. PARI stands for the Public Affairs Research Institute in Johannesburg, which employs high quality research to study the effectiveness of state institutions in the delivery of services and infrastructure. So Landness has three streams. So the one that's relevant to my submission is a task team on developing inclusive land governance and land administration systems. The other two focus on small-scale farm and fisher systems and redistribution of and access to land. I'm also a team member of a project under the auspices of PLAS and PARI on land administration. And I'm completing a diagnostic study on land admin on the problems in land administration for this um, project. So we plan to engage with a range of stakeholders and develop partnerships to strengthen land administration institutions in South Africa. Um, so ultra is um, critical to the, all of the above. And it's very critical in, in our diagnostic study in identifying um, many of the problems we have in land administration in South Africa. So the focus of my submission is what I'm going to move to now. Um, some, as I've mentioned, some landless members have already made some submissions, like the LRC Limosa Alliance for Rural Democracy, ARD, and the Lawyers for Human Rights and Nkuzi Development Association are coming up later. They're, um, they're all members of, of Landless. So we endorse their submissions um, and also that of LARCS, the, the Land Accountability Research Centre, in particular with regard to their concerns in calling out sections 19 and 20 of the Principal Act, ALTRA. Um, these sections on tribal land are so anachronistic and out of step with the Constitution that we consider them dead in the water. It is frankly an embarrassment to South Africans they have survived unnoticed on the statute books for so long. However, these provisions have never been used and there seems little danger they will be used in the future. So I will not be reiterating the well-expressed concerns of my colleagues regarding those sections. I feel those have been adequately, uh, very well covered. Um, and in actual fact, it seems no one on this panel support on this, in these, during these hearings has, has supported those sections. So we need to remove them from the Principal Act. Um, so our submission is concerned with the more insidious aspects of the Principal Act, if it stays on the statute books with only the proposed amendment. Um, the approach taken to tenure security is faulty. Um, in the, in the, the, the approach taken in ULTRA, we believe, is faulty. The whole process is faulty. Um, and, and what that has meant over the last 30 years, actually, that the Act has been in place, is the Act has been impotent and ineffective, and it has not achieved 
um, what it has meant to achieve in terms of providing legally solid land rights to the majority of South Africans. So ACRA stemmed from a very simplistic understanding of land tenure that was informed by a mindset of panic during the dying days of apartheid. The colonial regimes um, turned some of the customary rights in South Africa into quick-rent deeds of grant, PTOs, and so on, um, assuming that by simply changing them into these kinds of, 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 of tenure systems, that it would automatically um, just get rid of all the customary norms that sit behind them. Um, it assumed that you can change the content of land rights by the stroke of a pen. Um, and besides those those types of tenure, the rest they're simply called communal or tribal or tribal land rights, which are also extremely um, inadequate uh, kind of representation of of those rights. So the evidence of time shows you can't just change the content of a land right by the stroke of a pen. Behind every land rights is an entire system of administrative and social support structures. It's based on on norms, on customary norms, common law norms, and so on. So I feel you have to, or we feel, the focus has to be as much on the administrative support structures or institutions that strengthen the governance of land rights as on the details in the tenure right or the record of the document. We've got to change our focus to the institutions. And this is a perfect opportunity for us to, to shift our focus to the institutional side of strengthening land rights and capacitating the state to do so. So that brings us to, to land administration. Land administration is the operational side of land governance and of land tenure, how you make rights real by giving meaning to land rights. It's fundamentally problematic to refer to strengthening land rights in terms of upgrading. Sections two and three of the Principal Act um, refer to the upgrading of Schedule One and Two rights. This is a flawed um, notion. We are not opposed to conversion, per se. If it is voluntary, if it is constitutional, if it does not infringe on the rights of family members and customary rights and other third party rights. So we are pleased to, to just to go back to the amendment bill before we move on. Uh, we are very pleased that the amendment bill introduces these new sections that provide a different approach to conversion of land rights. As I said, we are not opposed to conversion. Um, the, this, this approach taken in the amendment bill is a very important critical shift away from the systematic or automatic approach to, to upgrading and it moves to an application-based approach. Well, this we approve of. However, an application-based approach introduces a whole new dynamic to conversion um, because it now becomes voluntary and it becomes conditional. So from a land administration perspective, we, do, we feel we do not have the necessary infrastructure, institutional and administrative infrastructure in South Africa to deliver what is implied in this bill. The amendment bill provides no process for budget 
and for the means to strengthen the state's administrative capacity to adjudicate, administer, and process rights such as those envisioned in ARTRA. So by the time these up, so-called upgraded rights reach the DEETS Registry Office, there should by then have been a rigorous process of adjudication and conflict resolution. Without those, without an administrative process, the only recourse people have is to the courts. But our submission is the court should be the last resort and not the first resort. The first resort should be administrative processes in terms of um, administrative justice or just administration for all South Africans. So we're extremely concerned about the implications of the bill. And, and we need to return to the Principal Act. Um, while we do endorse the approach taken in the amendment, um, we feel the whole um, act as a whole is fundamentally problematic. The change from automatic to application-based, however, does give us a perfect opportunity to review the whole Principal Act. So with regard to ULTRA, which is what the focus is of, of, of our submission, we call for a complete review and redrafting of ULTRA. We propose it is, um, it is redrafted and renamed the Conversion of Land Rights Act, CALRA. No connotations of upgrading and only um, voluntary and only by individual choice of the applicant and only with the consent, free prior and informed consent of the family and the community. This redrafting should focus purely on application-based process to convert any legally recognized right according to our current laws, which are EPILRA, ESTA, Labor Tenants laws to freehold, providing, as I've said, there's a full process of legal and administrative conditions that are first met. So schedules one and two are completely a blast from the past. The language, the framing must go. And the kinds of rights that are eligible for um, conversion must reflect the current laws, that is EPILRA, ESTA, and labor tenants' rights. These legal and administrative conditions should also be part of the legalization of other rights that are not converted in terms of a Land Records Act. Now, this is not new to anybody here. We've been proposing a Land Records Act for a very long time. It was proposed in the high-level panel, and recently it was endorsed by the Presidential Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture. The legal conditions that should be met for CALRA, that is the conver or our proposed idea of a conversion of Land Rights Act, is that the application has to meet all the criteria of quali qualification um, and with full access to the state's administrative infrastructure to adjudicate, resolve conflicts and mediate and there must also be a, a support structure to assist people to keep their registers up to date over time. 
That means we also have to amend the Land Titles Adjustments Act. Um, it was also passed at the same time as ALTRA, um, which is meant to try and help keep registers up to date, but it has been totally ineffective up to, up to, up to now for reasons that are too complicated to try to go into now. So we suggest that the Land Titles Adjustment Act should be absorbed into the Conversion of Land Rights Act that we are proposing. The two go hand in hand because we do find that when people register their rights, they often do not keep the register up to date. Um, the administrative conditions, um, that's the legal side. The administrative conditions are that the department must provide an entire support structure and system to enable conversions to meet all the criteria to ensure that no one's rights are infringed. For example, family members, neighbors, customary rights, and other third party rights. And to provide a legal and administrative system to enable this process to proceed, to meet the constitutional imperatives of administrative fairness and administrative justice. So, Absolutely critical to our submission um, is the proposal for Land Records Act. Now, the Land Records Act would apply to all those rights in APILRA, already recognized in APILRA and, um, and ESTA and the Labor Tenants' Rights, um, that, 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 that people do not want to choose to convert or that do not meet the criteria for conversion. You know, many family and community rights are overlapping and interlocking, and they don't, they don't fit the criteria of survey that you need for a free or title. So we propose you legalize these rights in terms of the Land Records Act that must also have an Adjudication Act as part of it, because an Adjudication Act is needed to provide the criteria for the content of those rights, i.e., who in the family who in the community qualifies for um, a right to be recorded in terms of the, the Land Records Act. So you need an Adjudication Act to provide those criteria that, that currently we don't have. It's just hit and miss ad, and very ad hoc, and then you end up in court because different members of the family or community um, start contesting. And we feel that this, this land record, record system should be a link to the Land Registries Act uh, and be under the Registrar of Deeds. Um, as, as we proposed in the uh, Presidential Advisory Panel Report, there also has to be a Land Administration Framework Act to provide the systems and structures for the entire administrative support um, to, to adjudicate, record and hold rights and records in an integrated land administration system with an integrated land information and data system. In other words, we are calling for the institutional strengthening, um, not just of words in a title deed, but of the entire institutional setup. Um, that is what makes rights real. A free old title is not real just because there's a document sitting in the, in the deeds registry and in your, in your, in your um, drawer at home. It's real because there's a whole administrative support structure in South Africa supporting it. There is no such structure to support um, APILRA rights, um, ESTA rights, and labor tenants' rights. 
So Altra is currently operating within a context of grave institutional weaknesses in the current land administration system. In fact, we think it is so bad that we could almost call this the collapse of land administration in South Africa. In order to rebuild land administration, we require some of the following, although I can only give uh, concise um, proposals here because the full the full list of things are, are in my, my written submission. So we need accessible district offices to administer the rights that are listed in the Pura, recognized by Pura and all the other land rights laws. And it will now become part of the land records system and the adjudication system that we are proposing. We need an integrated and interoperable national land information system with a capacity to collect and disseminate a range of land-related data, social, legal, and biophysical, in one site of registered and currently unregistered rights. And this land information is freely available. Am I reaching conclude? the end of my time? Okay. Yeah, and Finally, we need a system for recording rights that are currently not recorded, surveyed, or readily surveyable, such as the rights to the commons and family systems that require flexible administration. We are in touch with a lot of organizations and, and land surveyors who have access to new technologies using GIS and GPS to develop a fit-for-purpose land administration system for South Africa. And these are becoming more and more widely practiced um, in other African countries. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Kingwell, for your submission. And I uh, uh, look forward to the questions of clarity. Uh, from the honorable members uh, on the input that you have made. Honorable uh, members, we will now proceed uh, to the next presentation, which will be done by Umamumul Kanalo Lebebe from Kunzi Development Association. From Kunzi Development Association, Ms. Motlanaro Lebepe. Please proceed. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning, Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee, and good morning to colleagues who are fellow presenters today. My name, like it has been indicated, I am Motlanalo Lebepe, working with Nkuzi Development Association in Limpopo province. Nkuzi already, Rosalie, has indicated that we are a member of the Landness, which is a platform for civil society organizations which work on land governance policy processes in the country. And we are also a member of Chichamakaya Alliance, the Rural Women's Assembly, and the Alliance for Rural Democracy. 
As the organization, we work with farm dwellers, farm workers, the land claimants, the smallholder farmers, people in communal areas, and those who are affected by mining in the province. And the groups that we work with in the main, they face different kinds of challenges. And in the main, they involve tenure security, disposition of land, continuous deprivation due to land development initiatives, which often do not take into consideration their interest and their views. Because when public participation regarding such initiatives happen, the people are often left out and not participating. And that alone also relates to the focus of my presentation this morning that I am not going to focus on the, the bill itself, rather the process of public hearing. I am quite aware that all of us, we are caught by surprise by COVID-19 and as a result, we need to relook at the way we work as government, as the lawmakers, civil society, and business. However, we cannot use the pandemic to further exclude other people who are meant to participate in these processes as the lawmakers. We have also Notice that the portfolio committee has extended the public hearings until the 28th of August, but we still say that that is not enough, given that South Africa is a very big country with a lot of people who are within the rural areas. And those majority of the people, they do not have the means to can connect virtually like a few of us who are able to can connect in processes of this nature. And for me, I think as an organization, we need to consider the process that it become as inclusive as possible. And the inclusivity in this regard, I mean to say, we need to give it more time. We cannot conduct virtual public hearings two to four days and think it will be enough unless we want to risk the experience of 2014 of the Restriction Amendment Act, whereby the process was just short-circuited towards the national elections. And it's also compelled the civil society to consider litigation, which today gave us the Lamusa judgment, which gives us clear guidelines as to how public participation, public hearings for law and legislation making process should embark upon. And that takes me to a point that there should be sufficient preparation for the public, for them to can make meaningful engagement with the ALTRA as it is presented. And the preparation should include the public education and also making the bill available in the mother tongue of the people in respective districts, respective provinces and localities within the country. And if the portfolio committee is very considerate of this, I think it will avoid a situation whereby rural people are always spectators 
when things are happening, they are not being seen as part of the entire public citizenry of South Africa. Then they end up being on the receiving end and they don't even enjoy the benefits of them being part of the citizens in this county. Then that being the case, we also recommend as the organization that since the various government institutions have embarked upon the model of district approach for service delivery, then we want to recommend to the portfolio committee that for the inclusive consultation, we need to consider the district approach and that approach will also dictate as to how many sessions should be held per district or per province, looking at the vastness of each district, because even though we are a county with nine provinces, each and every province has got its own distinct features, which will also dictate as to how best can we ensure inclusivity in this process of consulting on ALTRA. And I think in conclusion, one will want to say that let's try to ensure that we embark upon proper and inclusive consultation in this hearing to avoid litigation. And that alone will also help us to channel resources to interventions which will improve the lives of the people of our country. I think I will end there, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation uh, of Nkunzi uh, Development Association, which was put to us by Me uh, Motanalo Libepe. We appreciate your input, but I can also assure you, as the first chairperson of the portfolio yeah. committee coming from a rural village uh, located in um, Vezo in the Eastern Cape. We are very cautious that uh, these public hearings must uh, attract the vast majority of our people in rural areas. And the reason we have extended the, um, uh, the uh, public hearings for two and a half days it is merely because we've received over 480 uh, submissions that would like to make uh, verbal uh, submissions. We are currently looking into that and assessing as to uh, which of our people it's speaking to. And should we have more other requests, we will continue to request from Parliament more days to ensure that we fully exhaust this process. Many of us in the committee felt that this uh, process should have taken us a full week, but we are only advised by the number of submissions that come through uh, to the Secretariat. And I hope that uh, the more uh, we communicate through radio stations, and uh, we reach out to the masses of our people in the Republic of South Africa, we can have them uh, coming on to make their submissions. And we do uh, want to state that we are truly biased and leaning more on our rural communities because we want particularly rural women 
to have their say. Honorable uh, members, uh, we will now uh, move on and uh, um, take uh, the last presentation for this uh, session before we go into questions of clarity. And this uh, will be done, uh, it's a submission from uh, Contra Lesa. I will then uh, uh, take this opportunity to welcome His Royal Highness, Hossi Muhumani, as well as His Royal Highness Nkosi Nongonyane. And we would like to invite them to take up the platform and make their submission. Thank you. Contralesa. Head. Chair. Chegas. Zolvelik. Uh, members, I hope Hosi uh, uh, Mahumani is also on the line because myself and him have been mandated by the organization, the Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, which is well known. Uh, to really follow up on the written submissions that we have submitted. I think for the first and foremost, Chair, we must congratulate you uh, for the work that we have done. Of course, congratulating uh, you for being deployed to this strategic position. Uh, you, we really appreciate that. And uh, we also uh, noticed that the members of this, of this portfolio committee are themselves uh, people who really understand the task that uh, is at hand. And I uh, second. Sorry, sorry Pegasi, um, to uh, come in while you are speaking. Can you please push yeah. back your device so that we can see your full face? We are only seeing your nose and your forehead. So if you can push it back, and then we can be able to have a full view of you. Thank you. That's much better. It's much better now. Yes. No, thank you so much. Uh, I think the, the second point I want to make is really to appreciate uh, this opportunity by our parliament. Uh, to really uh, invite us uh, to make uh, this uh, presentation. As I indicated, uh, uh, we did uh, approach the Secretariat uh, with a request to grant us an extension, which they did, and we really appreciate that. And we hope, therefore, that our presentation is, is in your uh, packs, all of you. And, uh, uh, and uh, I think also I must make a point that uh, uh, as the chair of uh, the, uh, the committee of Contralesa on legislation, as well as chair of uh, land, where I would like then just to make an introduction, tarry part, and then will take you through uh, to, to, to the presentation itself, and, uh, and uh, we'll be together in responding to any questions that may come. And uh, as we have indicated uh, in our uh, submission, uh, the issue of land 
uh, is really an issue that is close to the institution of traditional leadership in South Africa. And again, um, the, the issue at hand uh, is the issue of upgrading of land rights to certain individuals. And uh, whilst the point is being made there, but we have highlighted the point that uh, we from the institution of traditional leadership uh, are actually um, uh, uh, favoring the issue of uh, communal uh, ownership rather than individual ownership. And then in other words, also the question of the family uh, being uh, uh, owners of, of, a, of a home. And um, again, to indicate therefore that uh, we did actually had a problem uh, with the constitution and uh, particularly uh, when it comes to the question uh, of, of individual rights rather than communal rights. That's what we will see there. But uh, if there are any questions, we'll come back to it. But uh, uh, in view of our time, I would love to hand over to Hosi Mahomane if he's on the line so that he can take you through uh, to our situations. And uh, I will join, if necessary, uh, in responding to your questions later on. Thank you very much, Chair. Hosi Mahomane. Thank you very much, Chair, and all members of the Portfolio Committee. Am I audible? No, audible. If you may just push back your device so we can see you properly. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. As my colleague has already indicated, we really appreciate this opportunity for us to make an input regarding the bill which is underway. We wish to reiterate the fact that the question of land, as it is currently happening, it is being done in piecemeals and will really reiterate the point that would love to see a legislation which will definitely also address the traditional communities, which is communal in nature. As we are all aware that land is a very important natural resource for human development. We as real leaders, we perform functions provided for in terms of customary law and customs of our traditional communities, which includes the administration of land as well as uh, given rights by the applicable legislation. We are saying that this is done in a fragmented manner because you will realize, Chair, that in our rural communities, as we are speaking now, in the olden days, it was said during the old order arrangements that a black man cannot own a land. In our new democratic and constitutional dispensation as well, we are aware that currently the Minister of Agriculture and Rural mm -hmm. Development is regarded as the, the Ure owner and we are regarded as the functor owners of the land which will be vice versa. 
Currently, if people want to utilize the land for social economic development, it is quite difficult in our areas because our rural communities don't have funds to actually develop land optimally. Coming straight to the bill itself, we are aware that it mainly concerns Schedule 1 in this principal legislation. Meanwhile, the issue of Proclamation R188 of 69 and the communal or traditional customer law land is actually reflected in Schedule 2. Uh, just to give a background of this bill from our perspective, Land Rights Amendment for upgrading and conversion into uh, ownership includes item 9 as listed in page 5 of the amendment bill dealing with the memorandum of the objects of upgrading of land tenure rights bill. Where item H thereof has a direct impact on the institution of traditional leadership as it relates to any position to occupy or any allotment within the meaning of the Black Areas Land Regulations as per Proclamation 18, R188 of 69. And item one thereof referred to any right to the occupation of tribal land granted under indigenous law or custom of the tribe in question. Whilst in this regard, Chair, when I say it is done in piecemeals, it will be enriching and it will be resolving the question of land in the rural areas if the provision of Section 20 of the Principal Act can be looked at because it gives powers to the minister to transfer tribal land uh, into traditional authorities and where the land is unsurveyed, definitely the minister is enjoined to actually appoint a land a surveyor to deal with that issue. As we are currently speaking now in the rural areas, we don't own any land. Some land are unsurveyed state land, and the black people, more especially rural communities, are not benefiting in this regard. When we come to the constitutional and legislative implication of this piece of legislation, we have to also indicate that, as we are all aware, that Section 211 and 212 of the Constitution uh, deals with the status, role and function of traditional leadership. We will also look into the question of this piece of legislation, which definitely it is not actually completely addressing the plight of the rural communities or the traditional communities, because uh, Section 20 had to actually enjoin the minister to say, where well, there's no contest, no dispute on the traditional land, the land can be transferred to the traditional authorities, not to an individual, but to the traditional council, which can actually administer land on behalf of its own people in a democratic and customary manner. We are also aware that this interim Protection of Land Rights Act of 1996, which definitely is actually extended annually 
because there's no legislation which is there to address the question of land ownership in the communal area. As the court held into one judgment, these bills targeted as Section 7B, uh, which definitely has got provision in substantial measure to deal with Schedule 4, the, which is the functional area competency uh, of the national uh, government. And the indigenous law and customer law, of course, is very, very critical when we deal with this issue. Let me come straight to the object of the bill and the clauses of the bill. The object of the bill, as we are aware, is the application for conversion of land tenure rights ownership. As my colleagues has mentioned, we are not actually uh, promoting an individual to actually own land in the tribal area because an individual has got a home, has got a family, and there's a family consanguinity where people are collectively uh, enjoying the right of using that piece of land to stay there. And in our traditional communities, we are not discriminating because a home and a family is what is promoted in that regard as people are not actually looked as individuals when it comes to the question of land. And there is also an inheritance which definitely passes on from generation to generation in respect of the family which has been allocated that piece of land. And uh, Section D of the bill says an inquiry has to be instituted by the minister to assist in determining the facts made by the decision relating to the conversion of land, tenure rights. When it comes to this question, we are proposing that the minister uh, delegate certain powers and responsibilities in this regard. Because if there are quite a lot of applications coming from various areas, it will not be feasible and be helpful if it is only the minister who has to determine the facts and make decisions. So we propose that there be uh, some delegation of powers where there could be a number of, you know, a legal entity or mandated by the minister in actually to deal with these issues in order to protect the question of conversion of the land size. And again, in terms of uh, a schedule one of, 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 of the bill, uh, we are saying that it relates to regulation for administration and controlling of townships in black areas. And therefore, any pretrade or title defined in the regulation one of Black Areas Act uh, is in paragraph in proclamation R188 of 69 and any right, of course, of leaseholds as defined in Section 1 of the Black Communities Development Act. It is our submission, Chair, that Section 2.1, uh, which the amendment seeks to cure, of course, as we all know, was declared invalid insofar as it automatically converted holders of the above-mentioned holders of rights ownership in violation of women's rights in Section 9 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa 
in the litigation, as we know, of the Constitutional Court in Rahube and others in 2018, ZZA, ZA, CC4. It is our submission as contralism, which is representing the message of the black people and traditional communities in the rural areas that we have no objection as it does not have any direct bearing in Schedule 2, where paragraph 2 pertains to any permission to occupy within the meaning of the Black Areas Land Regulations. And most importantly, paragraph 4 of the Principal Act, which refers to any rise to the occupation of tribal lands granted under Indigenous law or customs of the tribe in question. Our customary practice is not a discriminatory, hence women are also allocated land for occupation and for commercial purposes. A paragraph A, B, C, and D has no direct impact on rural institution, and section 19 of the Act deals with legal capacity of a tribe to obtain property, and section 20 thereof pertains to transfer of tribal land. When it comes to clause 2 of the bill, uh, it seeks to amend section 4, which provides for the contents of land tenure rights mentioned in Schedule 1, uh, pending conversion. This amendment will ensure the person who has been discriminated against in the past could also become the holder of land rights pending conversion contemplated in section 2 of the act, of the bill. We strongly maintain that our traditional institution is communal and embracing in nature, more focused and promoting family values and social justice and social cohesion. At clause three of the bill, of course, section 14A seeks, an seeks to provide an opportunity for persons aggrieved by conversion that took place from 27 April 1994. We contend as contra that any citizen who is not satisfied by any action has a remedy to approach court to seek legal recourse uh, to get an appropriate relief which relates to old order arrangements and the new order. But we are, however, opposed to traditional authorities uh, where, however, support uh, that traditional authorities be actually be given an opportunity to start owning land for the first time in the history of our country by transferring all tribal land polling within the traditional authorities for the traditional authorities to assist in this regard. Because if it is given to an individual, it will cause some hardships and poverty, because some can actually attach those property, but if the institution of traditional leadership is actually considered in this regard to own land uh, with its own people, it will definitely protect the interests of the individuals for their individual rights. Uh, clause 4 seeks to amend text in 25 of the Act by providing this act which applies the country. Section 25, of course, deals with the application of the act as from coming into operation of land administration, General Amendment Act. 
And uh, this provision excludes Section 3 and 19, uh, which shall apply throughout the, the Republic of South Africa. Our recommendations are as follows. That all tribal land where there is no dispute be transferred to traditional authorities. I will, will propose that if this bill could also uh, apply to communal land and traditional authorities and come up with one legislation dealing with the transfer of land, it will be actually addressing all our concerns and our challenges. And we will have to the fact that, uh, according to our custom and our culture, uh, the individual uh, conversion of land to into rural communities is not promoted to safeguard and to promote the interest of the society. And on behalf of the masses of our rural communities residing within our areas of jurisdiction, we submit our comments uh, for consideration uh, that the institution of rural leadership be taken seriously when it comes to the question of land. Royal leadership's main objective is to ensure the well-being and the welfare of the vulnerable communities and to protect and to preserve the land it as its main natural resource to unlock opportunities for wealth and heritage and to sustain the present and future generation. In conclusion, we wish to reiterate the fact that uh, in many instances we have observed that we as contralists or as royal leadership we have made various inputs to various portfolio communities, but we are not receiving joy because our inputs are not considered. Meanwhile, we are also representing the masses of our communities uh, where we are not actually discriminating. I would propose that there be enough budget if ever this legislation has to be passed for it to be implemented in a proper and equitable manner to benefit the beneficiaries of this legislation. And also to have public awareness campaign and also give us more time to consult because during this COVID-19, we could not reach all real leaders, all communities to actually articulate the position of where, which, what this bill intended seeks to achieve. We will appreciate if we can be given more time to consult further and for this bill to amend and to include ownership, conversion into ownership to traditional authorities or traditional councils on behalf of Thank the you. communities. Thank you so much. Thank you. Honorable members, let us uh, welcome the submission that has been made by Contralesa uh, from uh, His Royal Highness Kosi uh, Nongkonyane as well as Hosi uh, Muhumanan. We will now proceed. We will now proceed to questions of clarity on the presentations that have been made. I will therefore request everyone to mute their microphones 
as well as switch off your videos. Only the honorable members that will be asking the questions can uh, switch on their videos and unmute your microphones so that you may be audible. We will uh, begin with Honorable Tabe. Thanks, Sir Chairperson. Greetings to the leadership and the presenters that are here with us today. Chair, I would uh, just on the Rotnet presentation. I have tried to follow their presentation, and my interest is where they are saying the bill must cater for all to guarantee productive territories, especially the landless, destitute, marginalized, afforded equitable use. Now, if you listen to Rotnet, they are talking about um, access. And my take is that uh, this bill seeks to achieve that in terms of uh, individual access because you can't use land if you don't have access on it in the first instance. Do they believe that the other mechanism that is redistribution, which is part of the land reform, can be able to achieve this one? And if that is the case, what is the stance of RootNet? Are they supporting this bill that seeks to promote access for individual members, especially those that are marginalized, as they say? Going to Nkunzi presentation, Chair, we acknowledge, and this is what we discussed yesterday, the issue of uh, casting the net and making sure that everybody else is represented. They emphasize inclusivity on issue of uh, participation in this bill. But uh, I get confused, Chair, as and when they were articulating who they are representing. Because uh, from yesterday up to today, we have organizations that stand or that um, represent those that are marginalized in the main instance. Do they see their participation here? not as adding value in terms of those who are there representing. We're not disputing as a committee that we need to reach out to as much people as possible. But it becomes also a problem when an institution, when an organization feels that it's like they are not adding value because we thought they are samples of the people they are representing. South Africa is so diverse, and I agree in many instances with the presentations. My assistance here that I would request from the Hosikore, the very same government that seeks to deal with issues of equity in this diverse South Africa. How do you assist us as government? In the townships, for instance, where we want uniformity in access to land, where every weekend after burials, women, widows, often are thrown out from their husbands' properties and everything. It might be there in some villages, and we know that you are firm on that instance. Now, in terms of uniformity, 
has Confralasa looked on this other aspect of what is happening currently in South Africa in terms of what this bill seeks to achieve? Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Kape. Can we have Honorable Marshall? The Honorable Mayor Marshall. What is wrong? Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson, thank you very much and good morning to everybody there. My question will be directed to the presentation that was made by Rosie Kingwell. Uh, my question is all about uh, wanting to understand how can the bill be amended to realize the effective land administration in the light of the Special Planning and Land Use Management Act, SPLUM. Chairperson, do they think that the current uh, proposed amendment in ALTRA will negatively impact on, in Spluma, on SPLUMA? The second thing, which is, I, it will be lastly on this question, is that um, do they think uh, 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 the positive implication of the redrafting of the bill into conversation of Land Right Act will be one of the things that they, they don't see as, as something that can be taken into consideration? And also that adjudication of Land System Act will further create a lot of red tapes don't they think that adjudication of land system act will will further will not further create a a lot of red tape around land administration and thus further resulting in the delays in the realization of land reform program in the country? Those are some of the things that I wanted them to just help me, and also we propose, the department proposed that uh, the department should also develop another piece of legislation uh, she calls uh, adjudication of land system act this is uh, something that i wanted to understand or now for us to come up with that it will not be taking us back now when we are talking about the distribution of land to our people thank you thank you honorable marshal and we have honorable stain Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, I want to start by thanking all the presenters this morning. I think it gave us, again, a very good idea of um, the information that we were looking for. Chairperson, unfortunately, I was struggling this morning to lock in, so I was a bit late, and I would not comment on the first uh, uh, presenter. But um, to Dr. Kingwell, thank you very much for all the uh, proposals that you were giving to us. There's a few things here that I think that we could look into. Uh, the one specific idea um, about the proposal uh, not being called an upgrade, I think that is itself um, a very good proposal. Uh, Chairperson, I would also... Um, would like to see uh, some kind of presentation or some ideas on the proposals regarding the uh, land surveyors and ideas that could be uh, helping us to look at, at that. We asked some questions in the past about the surveying of, of the unsurveyed land. 
that could be a challenge um, when we want to do um, uh, look at uh, upgrading or, or conversions in, in communal areas. Chairperson, um, um, then the last question I just wanted to ask to Contralesa, um, to the Horsi. Um, I wanted to find out what would you think could, could happen differently if land were, uh, um, the title were given to, to traditional authorities um, that would be different from, from currently. Um, how would it assist um, in, in traditional areas um, if, if we give the title to, to, to traditional authorities? And then link to the question that my colleague asked about the women. We are hearing too many uh, stories about women still being put out of land. And we all know and we appreciate that it's not happening everywhere, but it is still happening. Um, what are you doing as Contralisa to ensure that that tradition change, that people, especially women, and, and children. Um, sometimes parents pass away and, and children are unsecure or insecure when when their parents pass away and they cannot uh, stay on to, to their land or their houses. Um, so what are you doing to assist with that? And then yesterday there was a presentation from a gentleman from KZN. So it's not only women, it's also other uh, people living under uh, traditional authorities that says suddenly they hear land was given to the mention was made of Epiquini municipality. So help us to also strengthen then in some way the rights of people uh, in the land um, uh, under uh, traditional authority if, if the proposal needs to go through that land needs to be transferred. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Stein. Uh, Honorable Ntate uh, Matiase. Morena Matiba, thank you, Let me take this opportunity to thank you, the Chair, in particular, and the extend greetings to the representative Ngosi uh, Nongkonyan. And Hoshi Mahuma. Well, let me first uh, direct my question to Ratness. They are saying in the submission that uh, the amendment bill in its, in its current form has many flaws and does not take the process of providing sexual land tenure right to a wide range of people. And for that, they propose that there should be a countervailing measure or measures to protect rights of people against rights of individuals. Perhaps they need to explain that much uh, in detail. To landless, they are proposing that in the name of the bill must be changed from ULTRA to Conversion of Land Rights Act. They tried to make a case for that, but the case hasn't been that audible and persuasive. Perhaps they must uh, take us uh, through that, what they mean, and what fundamental change would that bring 
uh, in changing the name rather than changing the substance of, of, of the bill. They further identify various flaws in the, in the, in the bill. Among them, they mention lack of administrative adjudication to failure to convert, to convert rights already surveyed by the bill, which, or rather by the act, which has been in existence for 29 years. In both cases, what do they propose? Isn't that the Land Claims Court, a platform that should adjudicate over land disputes, including uh, land rights administration and management disputes? Why should there be an additional body for, for adjudication? Lastly, if they can explain what do they mean by de facto family rights versus the J individual rights. What what do they try to mean? What are they trying to say there? And perhaps if a further in, in the, uh, explanation can be provided. Look, uh, now I'm, I'm now venturing into delicate space around uh, the presentation made by Contralist, Honorable Chair, with your indulgence. Um, we understand really the edge from the indigenous people to demand parceling out or conversion of land to individuals or even to tribes. But I would like to know from our, our chiefs or kings, do they agree with the, the late and former president of Mozambique, Samara Machel, that for a nation to be born, a tribe will have to die? To what extent are they prepared to ensure that as land is being puzzled out, uh, at the center of that project is at building a, a single nation. Uh, we understand the edge from our people to want land to be puzzled out because for ages, Honorable Chair, they've been seeing white people enriching themselves, getting fat and rich and wealthy from the wealth which they ill-gotten, from the natural resources at the doorstep of the African people. And if private land ownership has worked for white people, has made them so rich and arrogant, then that justifies the urge and demand from our people that land must be parceled out to individuals and private individuals. At the, at the cost of building common nationhood and building a society far from exploitative forms of, of Can you conclude? As I conclude, in which way would the, the contralesa contribute through this process in the building of a nation away from promoting individual tribes uh, and ownership of land on the basis of tribes. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Dr. Matthias. Uh, Honorable uh, Papa. Papa. Sorry, Chair. So, yeah. Yes. Dr. has extended an apology. He's attending a funeral today, Chair. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Uh, let's move on to uh, the Honorable Metrete. Uh,
Yes. But it's also not in the list. Okay, thank you. Uh, Honorable uh, Mamun Bababa. Nkosi Chairperson. Um, I'd like to uh, say thank you very much to our presenters today. And especially Dr. Rosalie Kingwell. I feel that she has given us a lot of food for thought. And Umbuzo Wam, Uya Quinko Sizetu, Uta Tumaubane, no Kosuno Konyana, Upa Laututut. If Contraletha is advocating for land to be transferred to traditional authorities, we know that. Unfortunately, um, the scourge of corruption has infiltrated um, our traditional authorities, some of them. How do they think this will work? If, if land is transferred to traditional authorities, how will they be able to mitigate the corruption that we see happening, unfortunately, amongst some traditional leaders? Thank you very much, Chair. And we have uh, the Honorable Briet. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Yes, I think I have been mostly covered by the other speakers, specifically Honorable Babama, and speaking about the, the corruption we see, um, you know, specifically in traditional houses. The one thing, um, Chairperson, I would like to make mention of, and I think it is just something that I feel we need to note, is a lot um, taking into account yesterday's meeting as well. Uh, a lot has been said about the adjudication process and um, that the bill makes um, solely provision for the minister making decisions. And I think that is something that um, maybe as a as a committee we need to discuss and we need to take into account um, to maybe see to make it more inclusive. Um, and I really want to say the the participants in that I want to thank them because I think we've had some some nice. Um, in initiatives and ideas as to how we can do that. And then um, maybe just from my side as well, I really enjoyed Dr. Kingwell's presentation and I think that has given us something to chew on. And um, this is not the first time I've heard some of her submissions and I've heard her, her talk um, within her field as well. And um, so I just would like to acknowledge that, but that is all from my side, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Brett. Oh, uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to pose a, a, a question. Thanks to the presenters, Chairperson. My question will be directed to Contralesa. My understanding, historically, the land was under the administration of, of, of Omakose or chiefs, kings, or horses. Those horses, uh, 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 were uh, uh, um, part of the, the, the kingdoms of, of those nations, if I could call it. There were nations before the colonialists and the apartheid came in. Um, what is the view of Contralesa with regards to maybe um, 
allowing all the land under, under traditional uh, authorities to be under the trust of of the of, of, of the, those nations could be the kings uh, that were there before, so that maybe could, that could maybe a, a, a sort of give a clear structure on how land is is sort of uh, uh, administered. Other than uh, individual uh, uh, um, tribes, but to the nations or, or, or the, the kingships uh, should have the the, the 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 right to hold to. to to be the trustees of land under charging committees. That's my, 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 my question, Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, Kosenkur. That is it. We uh, move on to uh, the Honorable Mashati. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Greetings to colleagues and all presenters uh, who came to present this morning. Chairperson, um, let me start with Ndadema uh, Dondo. Um, I've noted in his opening remarks, he was indicating the indictment of uh, the Portfolio Committee or the legislators in as far as taking too long to deal with this matter. As much as I appreciate and I feel my responsibility in as far as his statement is concerned, I just want to find out from him what has been uh, his organization's um, initiative in making sure that such matters um, do come to the fore and do uh, deal with issues that are representing the landless and the marginalized. What is the mandate of their organization in as far as this question is concerned? Um, moving to uh, Dr. King Wong, I just want to find out which constituency does their organization represent? Um, how many African women or black Africans are represented in the organization? Uh, do they have rural semi-illiterate women within their organization? And um, as they do research, it is a desktop research, or do they go down to the ground and interact with women who might have been, who could be beneficiaries to this particular process? And um, much as this question that is coming to uh, that I'm coming to might not necessarily speak to the bill itself, but I just want to check what is the attitude as an organization on an issue of expropriation of land without compensation? Do they agree with this particular process and do they think it will assist women uh, in as far as the, the process is concerned? Chairperson, um, the, la the, the third presenter, I am sorry, I couldn't get the name. And when I was looking on the program, I couldn't uh, see uh, 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 the name. Um, I just want to find out that um, I want to illiterate uh, the position that the Portfolio Committee did ind indeed look into the issues of public participation. But given the COVID-19 and its regulations, and the Concord um, timelines, what will be their view on how we should do public participation to ensure that women who might not necessarily have access to these particular platforms are actually represented? And uh, given our limitations and the timelines, what would they propose in as far as 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 uh, interacting with the communities and constituencies that are ought to benefit out of this particular process. The last question goes to Controlesa Chaperson. I just want to find out from Controlesa 
um, given their input. Um, I want to believe that patriarchy, family is the superstructure of patriarchy, including religion and tradition. Now, given the, the process and the concord judgment on the specific issue, what is their attitude on women having to become um, sole beneficiaries of land in as far as their position uh, as controversy? And how would they, what was, what then do they propose vis-a-vis -vis what the Concord is suggesting to us? Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mahlazi. And uh, the question posed to the third presenter, it is to Ms. Motanalo Lebepe. That was the third presenter. Let's move on uh, to the last uh, honorable uh, member, that being in Tate Montuedi. Who will be followed by Ntate Masipa is the last one. Tate Montuedi. The Honorable Ndate Masipa. Honorable Chair, thank you very much for the time and the opportunity that I can also participate in this session. I have the Lord Shady. And Ndate Montuedi, are you in? Can I continue? Continue, Honorable uh, Masipa. Masipa. will follow after you since you are already on the platform. Okay, thanks, Chair. Uh, my question uh, will be directed to, obviously, the Contralesa. Uh, I come from rural villages and um, of Limpopo. We are seeing quite a surge in number of people that are migrating from rural areas to the cities. And the reasons for this are mainly you know, the job opportunities and the lack of infrastructure in these rural areas. And core problem is that uh, the land tenure right is an issue in these rural communities. There are many land that are lying fallow at the moment that are not being used as a result of the inability to raise capital and to assist in farming. My question to Contralesa is, is that, are they not concerned about this uh, land that are lying fallow and underutilized? And obviously looking at how best to utilize this land opportunities that they have in their traditional communities in order to address unemployment and to address the issue of job opportunities in the rural area and stimulate obviously the economy. I think it's a concern that, uh, you know, the moment we have got this problem of uh, uh, the inability to use the land right, that the individual owners in the rural areas are inhibiting the economic activities in those areas and our people are moving into the cities where they are not really afforded the opportunities because the cities 
uh, job opportunities are dwindling and the accommodation are dwindling. I think it is important uh, from Contralesa's side to actually address us as a committee as to how we are going to address the economic opportunities and the and the um, the migration that is leaving most parts of our rural areas not occupied or not being utilized effectively. I thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Masipa. Honorable Montuedi. Please mute your microphone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The Honorable Montuedi, are you with us? We seem we might have lost uh, the Honorable Montuedi. Uh, if I may just uh, ascertain also a question of clarity to Contralesa, uh, His Royal Highness Mahumani, as well as uh, to uh, try and clarify the role of traditional leaders as far as land is concerned, particularly in taking into light that the first wars of disposition that uh, were uh, conducted uh, by colonialists affected first and foremost traditional leaders. And the blueprint of that can be witnessed in Robben Island. The first prisoner on Robben Island was a Sen and a Khoi traditional leader by the name of Autumayo. But more importantly for me is that the second prisoner to Robben Island was a woman, Kreuter, and uh, also coming from the Sen and Khoi communities. Traditional leaders have waged wars against uh, a disposition of land for over two centuries particularly in the Eastern Cape, when you speak about uh, the 100-year frontier wars, the names of traditional leaders such as Matoma, Sandile, Charlie, Anta, Siola, Fadana come to mind. This has been the role of traditional leaders and having been dispossessed, they were forced into a mere little uh, percentage of land that equates just under 13% of land through the notorious Land Act of 1913. But 
This was a mere consolidation of 87% of land that had been given to white minorities. How do we then ensure that as we deal with this process, land is rightfully handed back to its rightful owners and that women in particular are also beneficiaries of such uh, uh, land. I would also like uh, to uh, uh, ascertain Bondabezit uh, that uh, traditional leaders, as where they are located in rural communities, are they afforded budgets to be agents for development? Since uh, Honorable Masipa is posing that we are experiencing a shift of rural communities moving to urban areas due to a lack of resources that uh, uh, leave uh, land laying fallow. Is that uh, an indictment on traditional leaders or of those that hold budgets that are uh, set out by government in the uh, uh, likes of uh, the Minister of Finance, who are the true agents and drivers in terms of uh, the implementation of budgets in rural communities? Because it might be an unfair statement to put it onto traditional leaders as if they are afforded budgets to be able to conduct development in rural areas. If you may just clarify that uh, for us. Thank you. We will now uh, head into the uh, presenters as they presented to us and uh, we'll allocate five minutes to them to be able to uh, uh, dispense of the questions that have been posed to them. I'll therefore uh, uh, call upon Rudnet and ask Obama uh, Dondo to please uh, attend to the questions that were posed to them. Everyone else, may I please uh, ask of you to mute your microphones and switch off uh, your cameras. Thank you. Obama Dondo. Of course, once again, Chairperson, um, like I said, Obama Dondo, is also watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would like to start off, thank you, Chairperson. I would like to start off by um, uh, just throwing a word. I'll take half a second to throw it and say the, the crucial information that you've just dispensed now with regards to the question to our traditional leaders is, is very valuable, Chairperson, because in addition to oral tradition, we know that the South African history is written by the colonizer who dispossessed the land from the indigenous authorities. In addition to that, I think there are authorships, people who wrote, who were non-partisan, who gave us history in line with the truth of what happened. And it would be very important for society in general, specifically, uh, people who are development uh, orientated, people in leadership and all of us to get acquainted with the truth. I think I could go on, but I could be consulted for further readings on 
on, on how the process transpired. One thing that I would just like to mention is the fact that uh, there was a census that was conducted in 1657. Another one was conducted, I think it was in, okay, the first one was in 1652 and then in 1657 and then in 1750 and then in 1860. Those uh, census programs, they, they give you an indication of what exactly was owned by the time by the oppressors or the colonizers and how much space, how much property and all of that. So we would, be, we would do good to the process to search as far deep as that, to know exactly as to how we got to where we are, where only 14% or 13% of the, of the land is owned by over 80% of, of black people. But that said, to answer the questions, because I only have five minutes, I think as Ratnet, we are moving from a premise that says this matter of fact attitude to land inequality in South Africa must come to an end and it must come to an end soon. We support what Kosatu said yesterday, the gentleman from Kosatu, I think it's Mr. Marx, Mr. Parks, who said that as much as we would like to see a, a, a very engaging and in-depth process, but things must start moving. We can't pretend as if land dispossession was an organized process that took years. It was haphazard. It happened very fast at the barrel of the gun. So the law must match that type of pace, but it must be very swift. Um, to answer the question directly from Honorable Matlasi about the mandate of RADNET, what RADNET has done, and how did RADNET contribute to the development of women and efforts to restore land rights. Here RADNET, as a non-profit organization, is a, it's a, it's a grassroots-based organization, and we are, we are moved or we are, we are basing our, our credibility on our vision of the empowerment of vibrant and prosperous rural communities. People move, just like it has been alluded to, they move from rural areas to go to the townships, to go to the squatter settlements, searching for a better life. There is an alternative. We can make uh, uh, the land work for people instead of people cramming themselves up in townships without any good quality of life. Radnet has done a lot of work. We've produced, like I said earlier, a number of graduates. Most of them are, are farmers, but they without land. And we, we do, on a continuous basis, capacity building work, economic empowerment work, human resource development. We do, we drive industrial relations between farmers and workers, farm workers and families living in farms. We, we do socio-cultural development in sports, in, in the arts, and a whole lot of other activities. So, Radnet has, 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 has done quite a, a it in terms of in terms of its um, its contribution, but um, the rights in the in the question about um, I think it was honourable um, Matlas yeah, about the rights of individuals and groups. We we would like to see a great deal of monitoring and evaluation because we believe that the law doesn't make provision for that, and we do have capacity to assist the bill in terms of that. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Bamatondo. Usbulsele na Bamatondo mtala. Thank you so much. I think he's watching now. <laughs> Thank you.
will uh, proceed uh, to a learner's, Dr. Kingwell. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, How much, please uh, mute your microphone and switch off your video. Thank you. You may proceed. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Chair. Um, and thank you for the questions. Um, I'm going to start with the question by Ms. McClarty about uh, who I represent, just to get that out of the way first, just to make it clear that um, LANES consists of 27 civil society members, um, NGOs, mainly NGOs, and many of them have made their own submissions. They're almost all grassroots organizations. They work on the ground, they work in the field. Many of them are activist organizations. We all have our different priorities. So um, I'm, I didn't, uh, each of them dealt with the important on the ground issues. However, in Landness, we have a project on um, land administration, strengthening land administration. I'm part of that one. So um, I'm mandated to talk about land administration in the more abstract way in the sense of building institutions. So, but we are informed all the time in our meetings by the voices on the ground and, and by women. I hope that answers that question. And, and I'm not mandated by all of these um, because I'm also representing PLAS and PARI. I'm not mandated to speak about the Expropriation Act because each of these have made their own submissions um, in the relevant forums on the Expropriation Act. So just to get to the question about um, uh, two people, um, Ms. Maklo and Mr. Matiasi, both asked about the adjudication side of my presentation. Um, so let me explain what I mean by adjudication. I do not mean courts. In fact, I mean the opposite of courts because it's administrative adjudication. Um, now, if you think of people who are getting pre-or title, when a conveyancer takes up your case and conveys your title, that, and then the, um, the various people checking in the deeds registry, that is a form of adjudication. They are checking that you're not infringing other people's rights, that you have a right to get that title. That's what I mean by adjudication. In a community, it's what we call land rights inquiries. In a family, we will call it an inquiry into all the members of the family and what their rights of access are. It's an administrative process. And why I say we need a special um, law or, or part of the Land Records Act could have it within that is to deal with the criteria, how to adjudicate customary rights, customary family rights that are different from individual rights. So that's what I mean by adjudication, not, not a court. So a land claims court won't be at all what I mean here or won't be um, won't suffice. It's a last resort, um, as is the con court, as is the high court. So we're trying to find a way that avoids having people having to go to court all the time, every time there's a problem. And adjudication doesn't only refer to disputes. It's to adjudicate who has the right in the family and the community to that right. If there's a dispute, we have to have special dispute resolution um, institutions as part of this process to mediate conflicts. 
So adjudication, yeah, I'm not referring to disputes and I'm not referring to um, the court process. I hope that clarifies that one. And with regard to the, um, the idea of calling it a conversion act, um, is very fundamental to our uh, submission. We want this to purely deal with conversions. And the other laws deal with um, the, 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 the way in which rights are held. So you'll have the Land Registries Act, you'll have what we propose as the Land Records Act, that will hold, um, that is, those are the laws that hold the, the, the rights. Uh, we say ultra should just focus purely on conversion, people applying to convert their right to freehold. Um, because that's what ultra was meant to do, but it just didn't understand customary rights. It just didn't understand processes or approaches that are appropriate. So um, the idea of changing it to just a conversion act rather than upgrading is very fundamental to our um, submission because upgrade implies that whatever right you have is a lesser right. But conversion just means I'm converting my right from this type of right to that type of right, the content. So that's very critical. Um, Can we convert, Doctor? And um, what else? And then just family rights are a bit different from individual rights because often family members are not actually. Um, they represent intergenerational family rights. So it becomes a whole family over time and space. And it requires a different form of recognition and adjudication than a purely individual right that you register and then you can sell the land without necessarily um, getting the consent of the whole family. Sorry, that, that's quite a complicated question, um, which perhaps I don't have time to cover right now. I hope that, um, do, yeah. do you Thank want me you, to Dr. family or should we put that for another time? We'll uh, pack that for another time because we've run out of time yeah. and we need to move on. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you for your submission. Okay. Can thank we you. have uh, uh, Ms. Motlana Lebipe uh, from uh, Nkunzi Development Association? Thank you, Chair, and honorable members for the questions. Starting with the very first question on representation, I think one will want to indicate to honorable members that Nguzi is a land rights advocacy organization, and that means that we are an interested party, not affected party. We work with people who are affected. Then for us, it is important for the people who are affected to speak on their own as to what are their views on the, the bill. We cannot see ourselves speaking for them because if that was the case, I think the process would have requested us to come and make a, a, a presentation which is supported by a list of people whom we represent. Then in this case, I will say we are not representing 
our submission here is cannot be seen as representative representation or submission rather we are presenting as a an interested party then on the question which honorable matazi asked our proposal is that for us to get the input of rural women we need to go to different districts convene them within the covid-19 guidelines that we get their input on the thing other than us just talking to organizations yes movements they are they are relevant but we also need to go to different districts and within that district i think there should be information already in your parliamentary offices as to who is who in different districts of south africa and i think in that way we'll be able to can cover the county in terms of presentation by different people who are affected by the bill thank you thank you we will uh, move on to the last uh, presentation which was done by a uh, contralesa from uh, his royal highness nkosi uh, nonkonyana as well as hosi muhumani uh, please uh, deal with the questions that have been posed by honorable members thank you Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you. My leader, do you want to start? No, okay, okay, we'll start. I thought that we're going to yeah, start, start, I'll, I'll follow. Oh, let take me two start. minutes, I'll take three. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take some, you'll also take some. Yeah. Uh, the question posed by the chairperson of the portfolio community course, I really wish to appreciate his question to say, what is the role of traditional leaders in land development? We will, history is very clear that all of us knew that our four years fought to defend and to protect our ancestral land. They have been daily valuing the land as a serious natural resource. Hence, all traditional leaders who are actually in their respective areas, it is very, very important that government uh, can support us in terms of land development. We are aware that Section 239 of the Constitution defines an organ of state. We are actually emphasizing the point that we are, as traditional authorities, they, we are, they are regarded as organs of state. And when you look into our government, how they practice now, all organs of state are resourced financially, 
and in terms of human capital. But it is only the traditional authorities in South Africa which are not having budget, even to run their own administration. So if the Department of Agriculture and Land Reform could allocate budget annually according to the needs of the rural communities to the traditional authorities, I think that can go a long way in terms of optimally developing our land, which is fertile in many areas or in many parts of our traditional authorities. So that is lacking as we are speaking now. Again, the issue of urban scroll, where people are going to cities, leaving their land fallow, uh, which is also fertile. It goes together with the same first question, which I've responded to, to say, because we have got insecure land tenure, uh, even if people want to actually cooperate with the traditional authorities or individuals to farm and to produce food for the purpose of food security, our people are poor. Meanwhile, they are rich in terms of land. We cannot utilize the land because we don't have financial resources to help us to buy the equipment. And if government can also support in that regard, we could reduce urban sprawl, people coming back to the rural communities, which I think is very, very important. The question of, uh, due to scourge of corruption, how will you mitigate uh, if a land is transferred to traditional authorities? I can say without any form of contradiction that we've got a lot, a number of traditional authorities in the Republic of South Africa. But you can only quote few, perhaps, royal leaders who are corrupt. Our forebears who fought for the land we say we cherish and actually maintain their lifestyle to actually preserve, promote, and protect the land. We are not actually driven, some of us, by money, by people selling land, and doing corruption. We are trying by all means to say we are custodians and the steward of the land. We have to protect it and to promote it and to preserve it for the present and the future generation. So we, I would like to appeal to those who demonize the institution of traditional leadership as corrupt as people might think. It's just individuals, like what is currently happening all over the country. One cannot say the whole country is actually corrupt if individuals are corrupt. But we are trying by all means to make sure that definitely we preserve what we know that our forebears fought for. And we cannot actually compromise that for any other thing. I will stop here for my colleague to take further uh, what other questions has to be responded to. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, Jose. And uh, I think uh, the first uh, question to Honorable Schlappe. Uh, indeed, uh, my sister, the South Africa is diverse. 
In fact, as uh, one of the doyen of our strategy, importantly pointed out, we are a great nation. But the fact remains, we cannot have one color. And uh, I'm making this point because uh, when we negotiated uh, this new South Africa, we were conscious of the fact that we are different. Uh, hence, we are saying we'll be united in our diversity. And uh, hence, the constitutional principle 13 and 17 that uh, bind the parliament uh, to draft the final constitution, which, which uh, were guided by them, that there will be democratic representation in this country, all fears, but there's also going to be the institution of traditional leadership in, the South of, in, in, this, in this country is agreed. In the same way as Roman Dutch legal system, which is foreign as far as we are concerned, uh, we agree that it will continue to exist, but with the customary law that is actually abolition, that is Allah Africa that we are proud of. Hence, there is that diversity. Come to the question of land. Again, there are two systems there. There is the individual land tenure system. There is also communal land tenure system. You can guess that uh, uh, those uh, that are Republicans in South Africa are fond of the individual lands, land, uh, uh, individual uh, whatever, uh, the, the, the individual title to land. Um, uh, they, they are promoting that. But we are promoting the other. But fortunately for the Constitution, Chapter 3, it's very, very clear that there will be cooperative governance in this country. In other words, we must live and understand each other that we are different. And then, then the other point, Chair, I can see you, is the issue of transformation. Yes, we must transform. The institutional traditionalists must also be transformed so that all those things uh, that are oppressive to everyone, including women and children and people with disabilities, must be uh, discarded away. And uh, we do have proposals, and lastly, we agreed with, 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 with the Department uh, of Land Affairs that... Uh, the land will be transformed, uh, transferred rather, to the traditional uh, authorities as far back as 2018, but uh, they have not delivered up to date. Hence, uh, we're of the view that the traditional authorities are capable of administering the land in traditional authorities. Yes, in townships, we're, we're capable of actually helping them because we don't believe that our people living in townships must be uh, uh, content only the four rooms. Uh, but yeah, our, uh, and, uh, so, so uh, with all that, thank you, Chair. And I can see that the time is, is almost up, and we really appreciate your hearing. Uh, if there's any other, uh, then please uh, don't hesitate to contact the contralessor. Thank you very much. Thank you, the Royal Highnesses, for your input and submission by contralessor. And we would like to thank all our first presenters for the engagement that we have had this morning. Honorable members, we will move on to our second session this morning, which will be kick-started by the Lawyers for Human Rights. And I would like to invite Utatu Duplessis, please take over. Thank you, Chairperson. It's uh, Louise Duplessis from Lawyers Human Rights. Thank you. My apologies. Yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, 
I'm not going to be long because I think many of our issues was covered by um, some of our colleagues and especially by Dr. King will. Um, lawyers for human rights have a land and housing program. Um, and we see, um, of course, many of these cases, that's a great concern to us. And I'm talking about the kind of media that will be matters. Um, the concern is a specific day because, you know, where people are now seeking land and housing, many people have in the last 20 years lo lost land because of um, not having proper protection in terms of ULTRA or the Conversion Act. Um, so in that light, I think there's a few issues that I would like to highlight in terms of the bill that we have concerns about. The first is um, um, the fact that it's, it's good that it's obviously going from automatic conversion process to uh, application process, but we are concerned about two issues. The one is an issue that was raised a few times yesterday as well, and that is the way that people will get notice in terms of a gazette. Now, I know, you know, I don't read the Gazette or rarely read the Gazette, and I, I'm sure that Mary Rowe also doesn't read the Gazette. Um, so we feel there must be more of a, uh, and I won't call it a burden, but there must be more of a action from government to investigate these matters, more like they are trying to do in terms of the Conversion Act. Um, um, and then the second issue on on this is also the fact that um, we we are not convinced that the right body to do this or to manage or to deal with this issue is indeed the minister coming from the national department and that it might be better if it is the local government who's got um, who's you know who's got this function to investigate or to deal with with this conversion issues. Um, I can compare it to the issue of the Gazette. I can compare that to PI. You know, if, if you want to evict somebody, um, you need to go to court and you need to get specific um, court orders to inform people that they might face application for eviction. Um, um, that That is a more heavy burden or heavy duty to make sure that people are aware. And in this case, where you might lose your property, um, it's only covered by a gazette that not so many people read. So that's our first concern about, um, about this. Then moving on to the section 14A, where people can uh, go and apply um, if they feel they, they were supposed to be the rightful owners of this kind of property. Um, you know, I was personally also involved in the Shibi matter in the constitutional court that gave women, black women in South Africa, the right to inherit. And that that case was also retrospective. And I can tell you now, I don't know of one person who made use of that judgment to go and see if they can get some of the property that they lost out on because they were black women. And I think more or less the same will happen in, in this case, um, in this matter, if you are going to do again, a process like a formal court process is a requirement for people to to get property that they lost out on because they were a black woman. Um, I think there can be, of we are of the view, there can be a more simple process, especially because this process is already not so difficult in the deeds office. You don't need to have title deeds and go to conveyances and ask for property. It's a simple note or endorsement against the property that will give you um, ownership of the property. 
Um, and I think the best example to show why we believe the court application process is not the process to, to, um, to support is that Mary Rahubi herself has now been in court for 11 years fighting this battle. Even if these amendments are going to stand like it is now proposed in the bill, then Mary will have to go back to court and must probably have another fight of a few years on her hands ownership of that property or to be recognized as the owner of the property. So, um, again, our, our proposal is, is that we must think, and I don't know exactly how this will work, but we must think about a more simple process for people to come forward that feels that they were, they were, they lost out on their houses because of um, the fact that they were black. Women. That's been included now. Um, the issue, I'm not going to go in too much into the rural land issue because I think that was covered by a few people, especially yesterday as well. It's of course a concern to us as well, and we need a better act. Um, we're waiting for the Communal Land Rights Act or any act that will deal with not only the communal land, but, but the individual on the communal land as well. But our issue here as well is now we've got basically, we've got most probably more, but we've got now the Conversion Act and the and um, ULTRA, we will deal with people's rights. Um, um, that confusion is going to cause problems for everyone. You know, at, at least at this stage, we might more support the Conversion Act because there is more for investigation to find out who must be the rightful owner in the future of property. Um, but this act that ULTRA now is going to be applicable across the Republic is going to cause problem and there's going to be a clash with, with the Conversion Act and that's a concern to us. The last point that I would like to make is I think that um, we missed out on or missed out on a good opportunity to deal with what we call family houses. We visited in the High Court to get the family houses recognized as the entity and to get it registered against the title deed. And it's especially, again, the cases that we are dealing with um, are cases where women are using family houses um, in as a house. Um, it's recognized as customary law that they eat like that. So we, we actually would encourage you to, if you do look at ULTRA again and decide to, to make amendments to the world. My apologies, Metu Plessy. Can we ask uh, our traditional leaders, your royal highnesses, to please mute your microphones? You are still audible and we can pick up uh, the engagements on your side. Please mute your microphones. Mama Duplessis, you may proceed. Thank you very much, Jeff. Now, I think that was my last point was that um, looking at the litigation that we are involved in currently is that um, we would like to see that the, the concept of a family house, and I'm not I'm talking about a family house in urban areas, and um, that it's recognized as an entity that can be registered against the title deed. Um, and um, this, this ultra might be the bill or the act that can also deal with that issue and avoid us from I mean, continuing with the litigation that we currently are involved in. Um, thank you very much. I think that's all that I've got to say. Thank you, 
made to Plessis for your input, honorable members. That was uh, the submission from lawyers for human rights. We will now move to our next presenter, which is a submission by Ruiz Da, R-U-I-S-D-A, which will be put to us by Ndade Pafanani Muzanani. I hope I've gotten my vendor right there. I'm very challenged as a Tosa speaking uh, person. Ndate uh, Muzanani. Chair, I'm not Muzanani. Uh, but he's trying to connect, uh, he's struggling uh, with the connections. May I suggest that the chairperson takes questions for Ms. Duplessis while we assist uh, Ms. Mzanan to connect? Okay, Dr. Manenje, thank you. We are indeed moving, honorable members, to a load shedding hour, which is uh, supposed to uh, start at 12 o'clock and uh, we may lose a number of our presenters. We are trying to see what the solution could be in and around this. So please bear with us and be patient. We will then uh, uh, try and get uh, another presenter slotted in uh, if we don't get Ntate uh, Muzanani uh, on time. But uh, let's see what the Secretariat and uh, our uh, uh, parliamentary staff can assist us in uh, uh, as far as uh, proceedings. Uh, we will then uh, uh, comply and uh, do as uh, our content advisor, Dr. Manenje, has suggested to pose questions uh, to the current presenter, uh, Umamu Duplessis. Uh, honorable members, let us begin with the uh, Honorable Clapper. The Honorable Clapper. We'll move on to Honorable Marshall. Honorable Marshall. Honorable Stain. Who's on the platform? Honorable Marshall? Yes, Honorable Honor yes, it's me. Uh, Chairperson, thank you very much. Um, Please switch on your video. Okay, my video is on. Chair, can you see me? Now we cannot see you. Please proceed. Okay, fine. Um, the lawyer for human rights. Uh, my question will be that how do you propose that the family institution be recognized as a legal entity 
given the fact that the customer law, customary law is not applicable to urban areas? That is the question that I wanted to understand. And under common law, what do you propose could be the most uh, appropriate legal entity, uh, entity that be used, that can be used uh, as a vehicle for registration of uh, title deeds? Can it be done under the family trust, for example? That is one thing that I wanted to uh, just understand from the, the human rights lawyer. Thank you, Eche. Thank you, Honorable Stein. Thank you, Chairperson. And sorry if my um, screen is also a bit wobbly. I'm using my phone because my laptop switched off uh, due to load shedding. Chairperson, uh, um, I also just wanted to find out from the uh, Plessis on the concept of family uh, housing and, and how it could work. One of the issues that I've been thinking of regarding that is what happens now have children. Uh, and then it, uh, it becomes uh, issue, especially in in um, in town areas where where you don't have a, a, a bigger area where you can start with rural area. So, um, discussed what what years uh, could you have? And maybe um, I, I could, maybe I missed it, but she spoke about a Chevy matter. Uh, that was an, an We are trying to follow up on all the challenges that was in court regarding land reform issues uh, for this portfolio to try and, and, and look at, you know, while we're trying to deal with one aspect of something that was challenged in court, what other... Uh, legal challenges um, is in the way. So if there is another one that she's aware of, something that was already uh, pronounced on, we would appreciate if we can get. And then something, um, unfortunately, I forgot to ask uh, that with the contra Lisa, but my duplicity or my duplicity um, can assist us with that. And I, I think it was also mentioned the idea of sectional title. Um, or, or something similar to a sectional title um, idea for the rural communities. What what would you think about that? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Ms. Dane. Dr. Matthias. Thank you so much, uh, Chairperson. Well, my question to Mrs. Duplessis from the lawyers of human rights is that before we can even think of uh, extending human rights to all South Africans, uh, we have to overcome the superimposition of the common law, the Roman Dutch law, which uh, liberal academics and uh, political elites and organizations such as the Free Market Foundation uh, prefers that legal system over customary law. They prefer it because they view it as superior over customary law, not only being superior over customary law, 
They even prefer freehold land tenure right over leasehold and all other forms such as communal land. What is it that as legal practitioners do they do or can they offer to resolve that problem of the superimposition of common law uh, so that uh, we've got one system in this country which uh, can be extended across the country rather than to be ba to based our approach on one system of law which views itself uh, superior which also promotes freehold over other forms of uh, of land rights chain. Uh, thank you so much thank you Ntate Matiasa. and we have uh, the honorable Mahati. Um, thank you, Chair. Mine is also around the concept of a family house in urban areas. I think um, Med Duplessy spoke to that, and I'd just like some more clarity around that. Thank you. Thank you, Mom Babama. Uh, the Honorable uh, Mabriet. Thanks, Chair, but I've been covered by my colleagues. Thanks. Thank you. The Honorable Tabekur. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I have no, no question uh, or, or comment on, on, the, on, the, on the presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Masipa. Uh, thank you, Chair. I have got uh, no question or comment. Thanks very much. Thank you. The Honorable Muntwedi. Is there any other honorable member that I may have missed who would like to pose a question? Thank you, honorable members. We will uh, hand it back to Matt Duplessis for your responses. Please go ahead. Um, thank you very much. Um, I think I'm just going to start off with Mr. Matasi's um, um, question. Um, I don't agree with you that the common law um, is not protecting enough. I think we were very successful in the last few years to use the common law to ensure that communities um, do have rights because Many times communities have used rights for a very, very long time, but it wasn't recognized. In both the Groot Kral matter, um, we were allowed to register a servitude for the community who used that land for 200 years. Um, and in the one of the most, um, I think, significant judgments, the Wilgus Pride matter, where we litigated against the mine, we also used initially the common law to say if a community have used land for such a long time, there is some right that has vested. 
So, um, but that's a long discussion that we can have. Um, and I, I can share also these judgments with you um, if you want to. Then moving on to the, the family house, again, um, Ms. Mahlo, I, I don't think um, customary law is not applicable in townships. I think customary law is applicable everywhere. Um, it's a well-known custom, if I can call it in the black townships, the family house concept where people are using a house, especially for women who can stay there, they move out, they come back when they get divorced or their husband's passed on for whatever reason. So the case that we try to make out in more than one case now, but we haven't received the judgment yet, um, is to say the courts must recognize or, or anybody, the government must recognize that concept of a family house in terms of the customary law. And then that entity, you can just call it a family house. You don't even have to have a formal entity must be registered against the, um, against the title deed in some form. And um, the, what the rules about that family house is will depend from family to family because that family determined their own custom. So that is the litigation that we are busy with. Um, and again, if you want me to, I can send you, um, forward to you our court papers that will give you a better idea of what we are trying to do there. Um, on the, Ms. Um, Stein, on, on your um, question about the sectional title, I actually, I don't really have a view. I see, I hear my clients are talking about that, um, especially where there's not like a massive big community, but where it's only a few families, it's a community and where the land must be registered, where they want better protection. Um, some people are now starting to talk about the sectional title concept as a, as a model that I would like to use. Mr. Blissy. Sorry, um, I think that's all I've got to say. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Uh, please uh, mute your microphone. Honorable uh, Austria. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if uh, Miss Duplessis really understood my my question because that the answer was not directed to the question. My question was not whether the common law in its application is successful in helping people in litigations and all of that. Was the duality of these of their legal system, the common law, which is predominantly Dutch Roman law and customary law and that the common law as as a, as a foreign concept in africa is superimposed and has superiority over customary law that's the point i was making and if she couldn't understand she must be just decent and say she, i must repeat the question rather than to dismiss the question in the manner in which she did No, uh, Honorable My Matthias, I take it that uh, uh, the uh, submission and the response from uh, Matt Duplessis was uh, uh, 
answering the question as best as she understood it. And we have afforded an opportunity to respond to the questions that have been posed to her by the honorable members. And at this juncture, I would like to thank her for her submission and the input that she has made, which has enlightened us as honorable members in this portfolio committee of agricultural and reform and rural development. Honorable members, due to load shedding, we will uh, uh, pause and adjourn our meeting at this uh, juncture. And we will uh, take a 45 minute break where we will resume uh, our uh, session again for the afternoon at 12.45. I therefore want to thank uh, all our presenters that were with us for this morning's session. And uh, we uh, certainly are going to take into consideration everything that they have put to us as a, a committee. We would want to again reiterate that the issue of uh, ensuring that uh, our people located in rural communities, particularly those small isolated uh, rural communities, are given a platform and are able to have their voices heard. So we have uh, uh, requested our communications team to continue doing the necessary arrangements to ensure that uh, the word gets as far as broad as possible to attracting uh, the uh, grassroots people in rural areas. I see that uh, there is a hand from our content advisor, Dr. Manager. Is uh, anything on your side? Yes, yes, Chair. Um, we would like to suggest that we break for two hours to come back at two, not only because of this interruption uh, for, by people in the other provinces, because some people who were scheduled to speak at two aren't available between now and then. So we suggest that we break and we come back at two if it's that's agreeable to the committee. Thank you, uh, Dr. Manege. But, uh, you know, we have done extensive work to receive submissions and receive names of uh, people and uh, individuals, uh, organizations, and representatives of uh, communities that have indicated of wanting to make their submissions. And uh, we have enlisted all these people on uh, uh, our program for the two days. So it will uh, raise some concerns when suddenly uh, we are finding difficulty in filling slots. I do understand the issue of uh, load shedding, but also again, uh, we must be clear that uh, there were submissions made and there were people that had uh, intent of uh, making a representation over these two days. So we don't want to uh, be regarded as a committee that uh, is not taking their work seriously and therefore find ourselves in a wasteful and fruitless expenditure. Please do ensure that uh, when uh, we have a list of people that have confirmed to speaking, they are able to join the session on time. They are able to uh, be in a chronological order that we have uh, uh, been able to uh, uh, 
set up and uh, send out to honorable members and not be able to create confusion as to what presentation is to follow. I would like to therefore uh, request that uh, on uh, the two-hour break that you are requesting, you are able to clear out these issues and ensure that they are attended to so that we have a full proper list of speakers. Thank you, Chair. We'll do that. Thank you. Any other person? Does that mean we come back at two, Chair? I missed that. Yes, just uh, hold on, uh, Mom Baba. I'm just trying to ascertain from staff uh, that there is no other person they have on the list to confirm to speak in 45 minutes so we can proceed with the work that they are calling for us to start at 2 o'clock and they'll be ready with the full list of uh, people that we have uh, uh, listed for this second day session. Can I have a confirmation on that? Sure. Thank you, Chair. Uh, we've, we have Mr. Muzanani who was scheduled to speak now. They are struggling to connect. They are in Gauteng. So we will try and get them to to get their issues sorted. Maybe they'll be ready by two. We've also had, we tried to bring some people back who were scheduled for next week, like Salga. Unfortunately now, but they are not available now because it's people that we're trying to bring in. Those that are in the program, uh, Ms. Kashifa Ahmad, Mr. Anthony Williams, Mr. Ms. Babravuza, and Mr. Siviwe, my daughter, they could not change their programs because they were already scheduled for that particular time. So that's why we are proposing this, this break in addition to these challenges of people who did not show up or those that are struggling to connect. Thank you. Okay, the meeting stands adjourned until two o'clock. Honorable members, uh, we will uh, uh, reconvene at two o'clock so that uh, we uh, do accommodate those that have decided to stick to the time that they've been allocated. And we hope that we'll then have a full program for the afternoon of uh, the rest of the remaining uh, speakers and submissions. Uh, the meeting stands adjourned until 2 o'clock. Thank you.